Thank you for tuning in to the Crimson Flow Biblecast podcast. My family and I really and honestly hope that this podcast helps you grow spiritually, get closer to the Lord, and maybe even give you a tad bit of motivation to help spread the word so that maybe your family and friends will find their way closer as well. Before we get started, I'd like to just take a minute to let you hear from our sponsors. Alright everybody, let's get right into our Thursday daily devotional, little brief one. Um, and today definitely will probably be a little shorter. Uh, I was going to go with another part of the armor of God and just kind of expand on that but something I believe it was God told me that I needed to do something about judgment because I seen a meme one time and it basically said this some of the most nicest most generous people in the world are covered with tattoos and piercings but some of the most judgmental people sit behind the church pew and I seen that And it really gets on my nerves, but I know how true it is. It is so true that I, for years, have went into Walmart on a Sunday at about 1, 32 o'clock. And you would not believe the amount of stares I would get if I wasn't in a suit. You know, if I wasn't in at least a dress shirt. You know, I've wore polos to church. I've wore t-shirts to church. God doesn't look at our outward appearance. He looks at our heart. Where is our heart when it comes to the relationship between you and him? Okay? That's what he looks at. Jesus said one time when he was preaching, he said, Your fruits and your works show gladly of me, but yet your hearts are far from me. Now, that was paraphrasing. But it basically goes to show that You need to make sure that your heart is in the right place. Because we need to seek the heart of God. That's what we need to seek. But, getting into today's lesson, I thought I would go back into John chapter 8 and talk about the adulterous woman. And if y'all don't know that story, just tune in and I'll read right through it for you. In chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again unto the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what that sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him, But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And which they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself... And saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? 
Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Okay, there's a lot going on in this little area right here. But it goes like this. Basically, back in the day of Moses, if a woman was caught in the act of adultery, that she should be stoned. And that's perfectly fine. But if you think back in the time of Moses, there was a God-appointed prophet or man, such as Moses or Aaron or later on Joshua, that this person was basically perfect, okay? That doesn't happen in Jesus' day. For, for he said in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what happened back in the Old Testament doesn't happen anymore. That's why Jesus was sent, so that he could be the one to give that final judgment. It wasn't up to them to, to stone them, and all of them had sinned. So that's why he looked at them, and when they accused him and, and everything, they wanted to catch him in saying something, kind of like uh, the news media does today. And it doesn't matter which side you're on, eventually they're going to flip-flop just to get the ratings. They will try to throw these questions at you to try to trap you in an answer that they know that they can get a story out of. And that's basically what's happening here. They wanted to catch him in, in something, saying something that would condemn him even more. But his time for con condemnation was not yet come. So that's why he just kind of stooped down, started writing in the sand. Who knows what he wrote? The Bible never says. So let's just take it into account that he was just scribbling and wasn't saying nothing. But they kept asking him. They kept asking him. So he stood up and he said, So ye without sin cast the first stone. And at that moment, me personally, I feel like just like in the book of Exodus, God changed their hearts or made them realize their convictions. Okay? Or if they already knew about their convictions, he at least made them care. Okay? Because this day and time, somebody would probably try to lie their way out of it, to be honest with you. Somebody in the crowd would be like, I know I've got a thousand convictions, but I'm still going to stone her. You know? And that's not the way it was supposed to be. But I feel like at this moment, Jesus is telling us directly that we have no right to condemn others for their sin, no matter what it is. No matter how bad it is. Because we have sinned ourselves. For God sees all sin equal. Now, personally, and if there's scripture against this, I'll change my mind. But personally, I feel like, yes, all sin is equal. But I do feel like that certain sins may get a different torture in eternity. But that's my personal belief. Like I said, if there's scripture against that, I will gladly adopt the new scripture and not ever promote that level Again, I'm not saying a full Dante's Inferno, but I feel like the reason that he sees all sin equally is because each act of sin is you as a spiritual, fleshly human being choosing to ignore his sacrifice. Not what you're doing, but that you chose to ignore his sacrifice because he asks us to be more like him. To love like him. To forgive like him. The two greatest commandments he said are to love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So what do we do in this world? You know, when everybody's out to get each other, it's like a dog-eat-dog -dog world. How do we love each other? Well, one, you read your Bible. You pray. You pray for your enemies. 
that's hard to do. I know. But even the people that make you mad on a daily basis, you need to stop, look up to God, and say, Lord, be with them. Help guide their paths so that they can become closer to you. Each person that makes you mad, each person that you don't like, pray for your enemies. Pray for the people that do you wrong. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Once we start doing that habitually, meaning making a habit of it, we will start to see our lives become better. We will be blessed more, I feel like. And let's slow down on the jake break. I'm not saying you're going to get a million dollars because you pray for your enemies. No. It may be something as simple as you start having a better outlook on life. It doesn't always have to be gifts for you. It reminds me of a scripture of it was in the book of Acts, I believe. I could be wrong. But it's basically this guy. He is a sorcerer. And he sees the apostles. They were healing people, performing miracles, casting out demons. And he asked them how they were doing that. And they gave him the gospel, but his heart wanted the power, but but not for the right reasons. See, I believe he wanted it for a future money-making. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'll heal you, you give me 20 pieces of gold, or something like that. Now, that's wrong, and I believe... Jesus threw some tables over for it because a bunch of people in the second chapter of John, I believe, had turned a temple into a money-making area or a money-handling area. And he got pretty mad about that. So this guy was chasing the power and not the reason behind the power. So that, that makes me question, and it should make you want to question, Are we chasing after his gifts or are we chasing after him because of what he done for us? And that's the thought I'll leave you with today. I made this a little shorter. So thank you all for listening. God bless you all and I'll see you next time.